I know what your boundary is. <laughs> I'm going to dance right over top of it. Because they have that such depth of love and care, shouldn't it be first top of mind, not last? What was normal in your environment was not normal in my environment. Where I grew up, like the one time we left the garage door open, you know, my, my favorite bike was stolen. I chose to honor your boundary, even though it was different than the one that I had created. Holding your boundary is not one-sided. It just changed everything for me. How many times have you been somewhere and you just feel so frustrated because you have these boundaries and these guiding principles that you've taken all this time to create and someone is just stomping all over them, right? So what do you do? What do you do and how do you really know for a fact that someone has just kind of bullied through all of your boundaries? It's really tough because once you actually create them, then it's almost like uh, a spotlight <laughs> on them. And it seems like everyone <laughs> is, is, you know, obviously it's not intentional because at that point when I, after, right after doing them, it was like, I hadn't even had a chance to communicate them yet, but it felt like a spotlight, like, like, boom, like everyone in my life is just going to just bulldoze through each one of them specifically. Yeah. And so it kind of put put me a little on the fire, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's kind of, what is that um, psychological thing when you start noticing something, then you start noticing it everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so- it, Exactly. It kinda, or like you have a hurt part of your body, like your toe, and it seems like everything is hitting your toe yes. and it's like, it's not really, but yeah. Yes. So after that shell shock, if you will, um, it was a good opportunity for me to recognize that not everything is personal. Mm -hmm. And the best thing I can do is actually start to communicate them. And it's not just something that I start doing. It's something I have to continue doing. And that was one of the biggest lessons to learn is effectively communicating them in a, in a kind and loving way, both being respectful to myself and the others. And that was really step one in this. Step two is is recognizing, okay, is this a one-time thing or is this a pattern? Mm -hmm. Now that I've set these and I'm even aware, because maybe I, there might have been things I didn't like, but because I didn't take the time to actually write them down, not only did someone else not know that these were my guiding principles or personal boundaries in, in that sense, and but I didn't even know I had these personal boundaries, right? Yeah. And so now that I have that awareness and that attention, it's my responsibility to share them and do it in a way that is respectful. And so the next step is really being aware. How much are people willing, how much am I willing to stand up for my own personal boundaries? What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I love the three-step process. Yeah. And when it comes to standing up for them, it doesn't mean that you're going to get belligerent. It goes back to the first thing you said, which is like respectfully communicating where you are. But part of that is truly understanding what is a boundary violation, right? Mm. When is someone actively and knowingly violating a boundary versus simply living life? 
and having no clue that they're violating your boundary. Because you're right. People don't go around going, there's Austin. I know what your boundary is. Ha ha ha. I'm going to dance right over top of it. You know, it's just, it's not what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, people have no clue that they're actively violating your boundary. But when it continuously happens after you have communicated it, after you've said to your friends, your family, your colleagues, like, hey, I know that this wasn't intentional, but this is something that's meaningful for me. And so I would appreciate it if in the future you didn't do this. Like, guilt. I know in our last episode, we talked a lot about being guilted into something, right? And so in this episode, we want to talk all about how can we recognize if someone is actively like trouncing all over our personal boundaries? Or like, what if we're actively violating our own guiding principles? How do we tell that, right? And so if we get to the point where we say, all right, we have expressed this, not just once, and maybe they weren't listening, you know, maybe they had what? their own, huh? what? <laughs> maybe they had their own inner dialogue going on or their inner critic was raging and they didn't hear me. So communicated a few times, you know, what's that marketing thing? Seven times, seven different ways before something sticks, right? Right. So be patient for a moment. But then, as you said, if you know you've effectively communicated it, then you have to understand when someone is just so in disregard of you that they're just actively violating your personal boundaries. And then you have to know what you're going to do about it. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> right. Patience is such a such a key. Because as, as we talked about in the last episode, it's we're always training people on, on how, to, how to treat us. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to create these personal boundaries to start to, it's, it's a form of self-love and self-respect and let other people know how that you're willing to be treated, right? And it's really hard with the loved ones, especially those really close to us. Because there's that aura of unconditional love. Sometimes things we let things slide because they're our parents or our brother and sister or our child or you know something like that, right? And so it's really easy to let these things kind of slide because they're so close to us and because we have that love and that care. But you and I have talked about this. It's like, well, because they have that such depth of love and care, shouldn't it be first top of mind? not last. And so that's our opportunity to step up and be willing to honor and respect ourselves and lovingly share with those closest to us that this is, uh, we're not going to allow this type of behavior. So if it is guilt tripping, like we were talking about, then lovingly stand up yourself and, and, and reinforce that. And it will take some time. So in that same loving fashion, be patient. I think that's a beautiful aspect of this is be patient because we may have let this guilt tripping go on for 20 years. So it's not like a pattern is going to be shifted in a week. So we have to allow that time to unfold 
and for new patterns to to be created and reinforcing that is part of the process yes yeah in no way would we advocate like hey you just just walk away from the people who are closest to you or that coworker who may not be listening mm -hmm. to you after like 15 times of saying it mm -hmm. because that's not going to help our personal growth either you can't just constantly walk away from things but what you can do is hold your boundary and reinforce it over and over again and who knows you may get to a point where creating distance is the only thing you can do but at least you'll have navigated through to where you know that that is the case right but patience as you're doing that and taking in the learning through the process is going to be such a gift because you're going to learn a lot about yourself through that process as well. Yeah. And not taking a personal slight on it because again, a lot of people aren't really, sadly, aren't thinking about other people. Yeah. Uh, and it's easy to get caught up in your own world and not pay attention to, to every, everyone and everything else. And it may seem nuanced to someone else, but it may be very, very important to you. And okay. so it's, it's hard to create that balance. And so the more we can not take it personal is, is so important and recognize that when someone does violate that boundary, that's our opportunity to choose loving ourselves, yes. to choose self-love and say, okay, I'm not going to get triggered by this. I'm not going to get upset and yell back and say, oh, I've, you know, I've told you this a thousand times, you know, that's not going to get us anywhere as you're saying. Yes. So choose yourself again. Use that opportunity to say, ah, thank you for, you know, internally, maybe yeah. say, thank you for bringing this up again. This is my opportunity to show myself and the universe and everyone around me that I choose me, that I choose to love myself by upholding this boundary. Yes. And I'm going to bring us back up again. When we yeah. first started, right, we came from very different backgrounds. Yes. And so what was normal in your environment was not normal in my environment and what was normal in my environment was not normal in your environment and so consistently we had to remind each other because it was so habitual right habit plays a huge part in that it was so habitual for me to do certain things but for you it was like uh i'd really prefer we'll talk about door closed versus door opened door closed and locked and I'm a door open and everyone come in kind of gal. And you were like, look, for me, that really is challenging for me. I am all about safety and security. And especially where you're concerned, I want to know that you are safe and secure all the time. It is a mental, emotional thing for me as much as it is a physical thing. I really want to make sure that we're all safe in this house. So can you please... It is a personal boundary issue for me. Can you please just close the doors and lock them? And even though I understood and I wanted to honor your boundary, it was hard for me because mine had been so ingrained in me, door open and everyone welcome all of the time. Again, neither one right or wrong. It was just different. And so... In order for me to honor where you were, because I could see, I could totally understand, I really needed to get to the point where I could change a behavior pattern. So it wasn't just an honoring of you, 
I had to change a fundamental behavior pattern within me in order to honor that within you. Mm -hmm. And that took time. But you had to kindly remind me every time, <laughs> like, honey, <laughs> door closed, locked, honey, door closed, locked. But you didn't get mad at me. You knew that I was doing my best. Mm -hmm. And that's sometimes what it will take. Now, if I actively, once you closed and locked a door, if I actively went and opened it back up, unlocked it and opened it back up, we would have had a completely different conversation. Right. Right. And. Also, if like for some reason you close the door but didn't lock it, like if I happen to be walking by and I lock, and for reference, this is like the front door, for yeah. example, or the garage door or something. You know, it's like um, it doesn't have to be every single door in the house, just for for, <laughs> for reference point. <laughs> um, like this is, then I would lock it, and you would know it's not like I'm being passive aggressive, like like, uh, like you know, yeah, exactly. you know, why didn't you lock it? You know, it's not in it your wasn't face. like that in your face. Yeah, <laughs> um, it was just hey, that just it was safe, secure, and in flow, and it's like that was important. And also talking about like why, right? Mm -hmm. So you grew up in a small town with not a lot of people, and you knew your neighbors. And so having a front door open and unlocked or having a garage door open, like everyone knew each other. Things weren't stolen. Things were, uh, everyone kind of looked out for each other. Yeah. So from your perspective, I get it. Like I, w I, I just didn't have that experience. I wish I could have had that experience. That would be, that'd be a beautiful thing. I, I wish of the world could have that experience. Where I grew up, like the one time we left the garage door open, you know, my, my favorite bike was stolen. And, you know, or if, if the, if the door was unlocked, like, you, you know, when you say all are welcome, it's like, okay, well, you know, what are you inviting in? Mm -hmm. Not that I don't love people. It's just, and it's not the, the who, it's the, what would occur when a simple lock could be closed? Because there are unfortunate things that occur uh, when things are unlocked and people have different agendas than to be loving and kind. Mm -hmm. So it was it was that aspect of us taking the time to seek to understand where we were coming from. And like for you, even though that was having things open and unlocked is kind of like, hey, loving, let's invite people in. Having them closed didn't stop that. And so it's a way that's like, hey, when people when we do want to have people come over, like it's intentional and we just unlock and open the door, okay. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's that, it's that, so it's, it was a way for us to understand each other and then find a happy medium that, that uh, kind of satiated both of us in our, in our, uh, in our feelings. Yes, exactly. But that's how we tell, like when we talk about how do you know if there's a boundary violation, guilt tripping and guilting in or really pushing your agenda. And if I felt like in that moment, you were guilt tripping me into going into your way of life, that would have been a boundary violation for me. It wasn't a boundary violation. I chose to honor your boundary even though it was different than the one that I had created. So this, for me, it wasn't a boundary. It was just a way of life. Mm -hmm. But for you, it really was a boundary. 
And so you didn't guilt trip me. You didn't force me into it. We had a conversation and I could understand that my way of life being different wasn't wrong. It was just different. And where I am now is not the same. So therefore, my behavior needed to adapt to where I am now. And I needed to see things from a different perspective and honor my love's point of view and his boundary. And it just changed everything for me. But it didn't, you didn't guilt trip me into that. Where in other relationships I've been in, if the individual had talked to me the way that you did, explained to me a point of view the way that you did, it may have been a different outcome, but instead the choice was guilt. It was, you know, just downspeak and do what I say because I say it and this is how it should go. Mm. And so then it becomes a boundary violation of one of my primary personal boundaries, which is I will only be spoken to and treated with love, right? And then that guilt just keeps layering on and that doesn't feel like love. That does not feel like love. And when we have discussions about that, if over and over and over, it does not get reciprocated with, I understand guilt tripping does not feel like love and isn't crossing your boundary over and over, then what do you do? Mm. How do you navigate when someone doesn't stop placing guilt on you all the time? That's a real question. That's a real, what do you do? Not rhetorical. <laughs> <laughs> not rhetorical. What do you do? What have you done in your life? Patience is really under, undervalued in this type of situation. Um, taking the time to really sit, like just maybe instead of it being in passing, mm -hmm. just talking to the person, say, Hey, can we just set a time to really talk about something? And that's really important to me. And I'd like to walk through something with you, set that time and actually lovingly walk them through. Okay. Like, hey, this is what's going on. This is why it's so important to me. And this is how it would make a difference in my life. And I want to be honoring of you too and be willing to, for example, like when I, we knew like friends or family were coming over, you know, just doing little things like unlocking the door and leaving it slightly ajar, just, just popping it open so they could just walk right through still had that feeling of like, Oh, then the loved one could come in. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, you know, if we knew that they're like, Hey, I'm a couple minutes out. It's like, okay, everything's gonna be fine for a couple minutes. Like I don't need to have it locked and closed every single time. Um, and so just, just little movement, like little acts like that to show that, Hey, I still hear you, my partner in, and love you and care and appreciate your perspective. And so here's how we can kind of do both in a way. And so that way, as you're saying, holding your boundary is not one-sided and that's a really, really key aspect when it comes to boundary violations is not making the other person feel terrible not putting them down, not feeling, making them feel like less because your boundary is more valuable than theirs. That's not true. That's not the reality. There should be an equal exchange. And, and that's important to effectively communicate 
And so even if it is like, hey, I've noticed that these the boundary that I've stated, you know, quite a few times is still being um, violated, you know, how can we maintain this boundary and still make sure both of us feel good in this exchange? How can we have a solid relationship and not let this affect us and still make sure that we're both good in this and that I feel safe and that my boundary is not continually being violated, even if it seemingly is still unintentional? Yes. Hi, I'm your host, Amber, and I am here with Austin on the Heart Leader Podcast. We are so grateful that you are tuning in to be with us. To never miss an episode, take a moment right now to click the subscribe button below and give us a like so we know we're creating content that you really enjoy. And that's a very key aspect, whether you can do it together, mm -hmm. if it's in a relationship of any kind. Um, and I mean that as a coupling or parent-child or friendship or if you're in a work situation, which sometimes that happens at work, then seek mediation somehow so that you get things back on track. Communication is always one of the most pivotal key first steps. And then finding tools that you can utilize together to keep that communication going, right? Because it isn't like, oh, we solved that one boundary violation. As I was mentioning, like I had a behavior change that needed to happen. Mm -hmm. And so it took me time, right? It just took time okay. for me to get into the flow of things. And then you also, as you mentioned, in order to help me and feel like I was still being seen, you shifted some of your behaviors. But we utilized tools and techniques that helped us both navigate those behavior changes. So it wasn't just like, boop, look at us. We're both just right there on the same page. It isn't like that. We have to keep using little things that help us navigate through this. But we also stay highly aware to what are things that show us that our boundaries are being crossed again. And so, you know, guilt, that was one thing we constantly paid attention to. Are either of us guilt tripping the other for doing what we're doing like we'll keep using the door a lot because that's a really easy one yeah. right so i never felt guilty if i left the door unlocked and you never felt guilty if you walked around and locked a door in front of me mm -hmm. right but there are some other key ways to know if our boundaries are being crossed mm -hmm. what is another one that you could think of that we've put in the book that is a key boundary violation that we can see that we you know because sometimes it just feels so intangible right like i feel like somebody has crossed my boundary but how do i know if they've crossed my boundary or how do i know if i've crossed my own guiding principle how do you know without it just being an intangible oh i feel like it mm -hmm. what's another one yeah well i think one way to tell if it's happening, regardless of what it is, is really um, this pa passive aggressive is, is I, I feel when people are being passive aggressive, usually it's around some type of boundary violation, whether they're conscious or unconscious of it. And so that's a good cue 
to seek to understand, you know, hey, why does this keep coming up? You know, if this was an issue, uh, if, if why, why being like, like, for example, I, with the door thing, like I, I could have, I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, but I could have put like, you know, annoying, you know, sticky notes. And just like with a bunch of exclamation marks, like lock the damn door, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and maybe you and I like one time would have been a funny joke or something. Um, and you know, we have that humor sometimes, but there's a, there's definitely a time where it's, it's not, and it could be very passive aggressive with a sticky note and like a bunch of exclamation marks and, you know, and then just throwing them on everywhere and every door and all, you know, and making it like, you know, that's passive aggressive and that's not getting us anywhere. You know, instead of me just kindly taking you to the side and like, hey, hey, you know, like, love, I've really noticed that, you know, this is, uh, the doors have been left unlocked. I know we had this conversation. Um, you know, is there something I can do or we can do? Uh, or is this just not working for you? Or, you know, walk me through what's going on. And and it could just be like, oh, you know what? I just, it's been a crazy couple of weeks with work and stress and life. And it's just something it just it wasn't being mindful of it. And uh, yeah, let me, let me focus on that again. So giving space yeah. for that to readjust because people aren't going to be perfect. People aren't going to do everything all the time, exactly the way, even if you both agree on it. And so start to recognize that pattern if it's intentional or if it's just an opportunity for reinforcement. Yeah. Another one, if I constantly feel like I have to explain myself every time, mm. every time we're together for something, right? Or especially in one area, then there's likely some type of a violation that is occurring. And that could go along with the passive aggressive, right? If I'm constantly being covertly, um, I feel mm -hmm. if I feel that I'm constantly being covertly attacked and then I have to constantly explain myself and why I made that choice, then there might be something to that. And that is a trackable thing. It isn't a, something that's intangible. It's something that you can begin to really keep an eye on and track and trend and see Am I feeling that way because I'm, I feel like I need to constantly explain myself or are there actions coming at me from the other person that causes me to need to explain myself? So is it an internal to external? Is my little inner critic in there playing its little violin saying, come on, you need to make this happen? Or is there truly something from the external that is causing me to need to explain myself? And if it's from the external where it's like, why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? Why, why, why? And I constantly have to express and explain that. Mm -hmm. Then there's the potential that that boundary is being violated. So your sticky notes, right? Right, right. And the behavior, if you were locking the door in front of my face and doing that kind of passive aggressive, then I would immediately be on that defense going, I, I'm so sorry. I forgot. I had things on my hands. I, mm -hmm. I didn't have an opportunity this time. I came straight in. And, and so suddenly I would be constantly in this 
cat on a hot tin roof kind of mode, thinking, if I don't do this right this time, then he's going to be mad at me. But then that violates that initial boundary again of only being talked to and feeling like I'm in a loving environment. And now two boundaries are being violated instead of one. And it wasn't like I was actively violating your boundary. I was not meaning to violate your boundary. It just happened. And I was doing my best to change a behavior. So that really kind of goes into how you can track and trend to know, am I over explaining everything? Yeah. Well said. And, and, and there's kind of the, the irony of, of this, like if, if I were to, my goal was to make you feel safe and secure in our home from the outside, but the way that I'm, I'm talking to you, you don't feel safe inside the home. Then there's, there's a, there's, there's a sense of, of ignoring needs. Mm-hmm. Right. And that would be not only am I just would it, could I feel like you you would be ignoring my needs by not doing it, but then I'm ignoring your needs too. And so that's why it's important to have these conversations and in finding a solution that works for both for both individuals or whomever is in the situation that it is. So like your needs are to to feel safe, right? And so that was the goal is to, hey, here's a way that I feel safe too, and we're both in this. But then if I'm passive aggressive all the time, then you're not feeling safe in your own home. That's not going to get us anywhere. And so it, it is it is a dance and a balance, and it takes constant communication. But that's that's important. I mean, that that is if 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 we truly care and love someone, then there's nothing wrong with constant communication. In fact, that's that's actually how we nurture it. We, I know we've talked about this before, the, you know, that the grass is greener on the other side. It's like, no, then you say, no, the, the grass is greener where you water it. And so this is an aspect of that. Part of this process, of any process of, of, of building something long-term is nurturing it. Part of nurturing it is reinforcing it. Part of reinforcing is constant, con- yeah. constant communication. Yeah. And it's just, even if it's on the, like, you know, when you did, when I did see you lock some, something like, you know, just a quick, like, Hey, thanks for doing that love. Or, Hey, that was meaningful. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Like just in reinforcing from the positive side. And I, and I know you would, you would do that too. Cause there's sometimes where I would even forget to lock the door, even though it was like my own request, you know, and it's not like you were in there and like locked in, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, it's not like you did that to me. It's like, you know, that again, that's, then that's a weird, that's passive aggressive and in and, and the opposite. And then I would feel like, you know, guilty or, you know, all these things that we're talking about. Right. It's like, you know, for not even upholding my own <laughs> request. It's like, we're not, we're not like we're not it's it's we're all going to make mistakes but the more we can continually to make the discussion and doing it from a loving space having us both feel like our needs are met and being authentic in the why and so we're both on board with it and it's not a one way street then we're most of the time we're going to be in a really good spot in our communication yeah And I love that you brought up needs are being met because that's another way to know, right? Even for ourselves, 
if we're ignoring our own needs it, to be so in service of everyone else around us, especially if the other person is asking for that all the time, it is a way to know. And in a relationship, like a coupling, it's a big way to know. And I, I have us talking about our relationship because if you're in a relationship with another individual, you spend a lot of time together quite often, especially in our <laughs> scenario. Like we work together, we live together. So we're together 24 7. We do all the things we together. We do all the things <laughs> together. Now, not every couple does that, but chances are high they would spend a majority of their time together. So talk about an opportune field for boundary violations. You start to let down your walls because you're the person that one another knows best. And you've had a long day, you come home from work and bam, it's so quick and easy to have boundary violations, right? And then because you do love the person the most, and I'll use my son in this one because I fell into this, right? I love my son to the moon and back and he knows it. But sometimes without him asking at all, I would sacrifice all of my needs, not just my wants, but my needs, because I always believed that's what a good mom did. Good. I'm going to use air finger quotes, right? Yes. Good moms. It wasn't until much further in life I realized that it wasn't an either or scenario. I could take great care of my son and take great care of myself. But I consistently allowed him to overstep my boundaries because I felt like my needs didn't matter more so it was my son's needs that mattered. And it wasn't fair to him. I actually did a disservice to my son because then he didn't get to do some things for himself that he would have done otherwise, right? So here I am giving him permission to violate my boundaries. I'm putting his needs way above my own needs. And he's not understanding what it will be like in the real real world is a relative mm -hmm. statement, adulting but world. the adulting world, because I had made this choice. I remedied that once I got wiser, but I had to seek to understand from my own inside guiding principle, mm -hmm. because I was crossing my guiding principles, right? I wasn't living the truth and the life that I said I would live by doing this with my son. And so then I had to look from the inside, ooh, look, I'm not allowing my needs. I'm putting others' needs way above my own for the most basic things, like the most basic things, having time to myself to take a shower in the morning because I needed to take care of him. Now I showered. I want to be very clear on that. <laughs> but... <laughs> but I always ended up with like the quick five minute shower because I needed to take care of him. So I would roll into work looking like the half half thrown together person because my needs took second place. But that isn't the most beneficial thing. So over time, I remedied this. 
that's a way you know that you've created a boundary violation for yourself that isn't going to be useful for others either because you're not helping anyone. They need to get strength and grow on their own as well. The more you're doing, putting your needs to the side so that you're taking care of their needs unless caveat, unless they have no capacity to do so and you've agreed to take on that role. But if they do have the capacity to do so, then how are you helping them? And you have to ask yourself that question. Very well said. I know we've talked a little bit about self-sacrificing as kind of a badge of honor and how it's really become societally uh, in whether it's faith or politics or family units or, you know, just all just kind of the way we live, like that's uh, work, you know, uh, sacrificing yourself for your work versus your family or, you know, all these different things. It's, uh, it's really become a badge of honor. And so I feel like that's an opportunity for us to, to really realize that that's a skewed perspective of out of, of actually being out of balance. Mm -hmm. And so finding that like our, our bodies, and naturally we want to find homeostasis. We want to be balanced. And so when creating, that's what guiding principles and personal boundaries are really all about is helping us find balance in our lives when it can, especially when the world feels so chaotic, you know, how do we then start to empower ourselves to create a, a way of life that we can direct and not feel like everything around us is happening to us, but actually happening with us. And we're not here to say we can control everything in the world. Control in that sense is an illusion. What we can do is direct how we act and how we respond to ourselves and to those around us. And that's why having this awareness of, of creating our personal boundaries and guiding principles is such a key aspect, but holding them is, is actually even more difficult. Yeah. And that's, I know with our clients and comments that have come in through, through individuals in our community, that seems to be a recurring theme. And you and I, when you and I talk with those around us or like, Hey, I need help holding this boundary. We'll probably go our whole lives doing that to some degree because it's not going to be a perfect balance every single time, especially as we evolve and grow and we shift our guiding principles and personal boundaries and the world shifts and there's so many different things. So we have to be willing to take that step back and be aware. And these type of things um, can help us see where there are violations and can actually, we may be so like stressed out and not even know why. And it actually could be because our boundaries are being violated and we're not even aware. And so maybe you can maybe share one more that, that could be helpful. Um, yeah. Um, privacy invasion. I think mm. in today's world, yeah. that's another big one. Um, we are all entitled to a certain level of privacy and so that we have a safe space to share our feelings, our thoughts. And if we don't feel like maybe it's a journal, we talk a lot in this about journaling, right? Having a place where we can get our emotions down before they 
cement and commit to feelings. Maybe we don't desire this emotion to become a feeling that stays with us. And we want to have a journal that we can write it down in. And privacy should be permitted in order to have that. But if we're in a space where we don't feel like we can have that privacy, that we know we can have a journal that's all our own and that we're not at risk of somebody coming and picking that up and reading our own innermost personal feelings and thoughts, and then that's a boundary violation. Mm -hmm. And it's one that should be addressed. One where, as you were saying about me living in a house, if you were being passive aggressive and, you know, you want the doors locked for the, from the outside dangers, but you are creating an uncomfortable environment in our own home, it would be the same. I know that I can journal anything. And if it's my journal, you're not going to pick it up and look at it unless you said, Amber, I'd really like to understand what's going on inside of you. Can I read some of this? And you ask me for permission first. I know that without a doubt. And so that is something every person should be able to have is a safe space where they have some level of privacy and they can carry that forward. And if they don't, then understanding how to create that where they can have those boundaries, where they have that sanctuary, if you will, of some sort that they can hold to and they can cling to. Now, if you don't need that, okay. But for most people, we all need a place that we can process. And if you can't have some level of privacy to do that, then it makes it feel very unsafe to do that. Mm -hmm. It's well said. And like I, when it comes to privacy, like I, I know one of the things that I, I struggled with at first, um, it was because so in, in high school and college, I was allowed to have a laptop, right? Mm -hmm. And if I left the screen open, for example, um, people would go onto Facebook and really make uh -huh. unkind posts on your behalf uh -huh. <laughs> or, you know, things that just, you know, were pranks. Right. Yeah. And so I got in a massive habit after six to eight years of, of having a laptop and, you know, and so like, I, you know, I just do a swipe uh, as a Mac user, you do a swipe to the corner and your computer locks and it goes on the screensaver lock mode. So anywhere I go, I, that's, I just, I got in that habit. And so, when we started living together and I would do that, you know, it was a fair question. It was like, well, why, like, why, like, do you have something to hide? Right. And I never thought about it from that perspective. Like for me, I was in, it was like, I was upholding my boundary of not wanting my privacy invaded. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to you, I don't care. You can see anything on my computer because I know you're not going to do a prank to me because um, I don't have anything to hide. It was just, I just didn't want, and it was just a, a behavior. It no longer served because it's not like I was around people who were pranking me anymore, but it just got so ingrained and became so unconscious that it just became a behavior. And so when you brought it forward, I was like, oh yeah. And so it took me a while to like get out of that habit. And then, you know, we talked about it. I was like, Hey, here's my, you know, here's my phone password or here's, here's my password. If you need it, great. And I, you know, we both have each other's passwords and it's like, okay, perfect. But that necessarily wasn't also an invitation to say, okay, snoop around. Mm -hmm. 
just because I know your password, that doesn't mean that I can just go in and whatever I want, because that to me is still an invasion of privacy. It's useful in a situation you're like, you know, hey, can you grab my, like, I've got my hands full, can you grab my phone and look at something? And I, and I can do that and then I can input your password and like hand you your phone or something like that. Awesome in that convenience aspect. But if I really want to know something, then I'm not going to invade your privacy. I'm going to sit down and ask you, love, this is what's going on. Can you show me or can you walk me through this and have you explain it to me versus me attempt to create this potential projection over something that all could be in my head and actions that you're taking to me would mean one thing, but to you mean a completely different one. And, and if I just attack without seeking to understand, then I'm not being loving and I'm not upholding our partnership. I'm not upholding your, uh, then that's an invasion of your privacy. And so it's really important that when it does come to invasion of privacy and we do share these kind of things, that there is a line, there is a respectful aspect of this that is part of this flow. And so, yes, we share these things and we do know each other's passwords again, but, but we always ask first because that's what, that's what I know I would like. That's what I know you would like. And that's what works for us. I'm not telling everyone to do, you know, what to do and how to do it. Right. But if you're unsure, it's a great place to start. It creates a massive amount of trust. It creates honesty and transparency. And sometimes, like, I'll still catch myself, like, when I get up to go out, you know, even though I hadn't done it for like a couple of months or something, I'll just, you know, just out of unconsciousness, you're like, you know, hey, you know, I'm not going to prank you. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I totally didn't even think about that. Because it's just, there are things that happen and that's sometimes we're unconscious and we do things and it's not purposeful. And so, again, that goes back to patience and just communication, just being willing to talk to each other and know that doesn't not every communication has to end in conflict. Yes. And not every disagreement has to be conflict either. A disagreement can be a pathway to understanding. Yes. If you approach it with intention and love and seeking to understand. Yes. And even these boundary violations, recognizing that they're happening, that's that's a key thing, right? Mm -hmm. The recognition. Okay, my boundary has been violated. The next question, so what am I going to do about it? Okay. Getting angry and blowing up is one choice. Probably not going to get you where you desire to go, but it's a choice. Other choices that you could make are sitting down and explaining, okay, as we've discussed, this is what I'm noticing. This is what I'm feeling as a result of what I'm noticing. And so what are we together going to do about this? And if over time you can't find resolution, then maybe some distance is what's necessary. And doesn't mean permanent distance, just enough distance to get your head clear, your heart clear, your energy clear, like all the different parts of yourself. So that then you can come back with a little less clutter in there and revisit that conversation. Hmm. I'm not saying years worth of distance. I'm saying hours or a day, who knows, but you know, there's all kinds of options in the in-between blowing up and yelling 
rarely gets you to the clarity that you're seeking, even when a boundary has been violated. And sometimes when a boundary gets violated over and over again, it's a reason for us to go, why do I have this boundary? And is it still something that I need to have in my life? And does it need to shift a little bit? Does it need reinforced in some way? So there's all these different aspects of it. But if you find yourself over explaining it or over explaining yourself over and over again, then that might be a reason for you to pull back a little bit and go, okay, do I need to look at this from a different angle? All of these things are important. And it's so important to remember how fluid it is. The reason we have our personal boundaries and our guiding principles is so that we have this quick cheat sheet to say, all right, I know where I stand right now, how I desire to interact with the world, how I desire the world to interact with me, how I desire to interact in my inner world, and how I desire all of these different layers of myself to flow in between. Now I have this map but I'm constantly changing. The world's constantly changing. That means I have to be fluid with all of this too. So I have it, but it's going to constantly change and move, which means because I'm a dynamic being, that's how I am all the time. It's a great way for us to really see how much we're ever changing, ever growing, ever expanding conscious beings. Yes, all the yes. <laughs> so well said, baby. That's amazing. If, if I'm that and you're that, then the whole, like our whole world is that. Every person is navigating that constant change all of the time. Yeah. And so, can't we give each other just a little bit of grace? <laughs> just a little bit. Just a, just a little bit. I agree. I agree. And what a good, as this is now a new year, this could be, if you're looking for a great, you know, new year's resolution, uh, and whether maybe you have created your personal boundaries and guiding principles, or you haven't yet, um, you can do them and then start to understand the next step after creating them is, is upholding them and recognizing when they're being violated. So this could be a great one because I feel like it affects a lot more people. Yeah. And it creates a lot of stress and inner turmoil and disharmony within. And a lot of people don't know why. And it's because they haven't even taken the time to, to yet create their guiding principles and personal boundaries. So they don't know that they're even being violated because it's not clear to them. And so if it's not clear to them, it's definitely not clear to those around them. Mm-hmm. And so this type of clarity at the beginning of a year can really set the tone and then provide a framework of action steps on how to both hold them and recognize when they're being violated throughout the year and see how that improves your relationships just across the board. I mean, it could be a massive, it could be a, a life-changing year just by focusing on this alone for 12 straight months. Yeah. Really could. Yeah, I agree. And if you don't know where to, if you're, if you're looking at a place to where to start, like we do have uh, our self-love series, which is an eight-week course and the guiding principles and personal boundaries are a part of that. And we'll put the link below and uh, we'll put a nice little, little New Year's discount on there for you. And, uh, and that's a great place to go. Amber guides you through uh, and we even have downloadable worksheets on, on walking you through uh, 
how to create your own guiding principles and personal boundaries. And uh, we actually even, uh, Amber shares hers just as an example. So it's, uh, it's a really great place to start. Awesome. And we do want to say thank you very much for tuning in to this episode of the Heart Leader Podcast, where our heart and our mind align. We have been discussing different segments from a book that we are releasing called Silence Your Inner Critic. And having your personal boundaries and your guiding principles is a great tool for navigating that journey to silencing that inner critic. So we highly, highly recommend doing that as you start out on this new year. And if you would like some additional free tools and to register for 20% off the book when it launches, you can head on over to silenceyourinnercritic.com. There you just fill out a couple little pieces of information and you not only get 20% off of the book when it launches and you'll get notified of that, you also will get access to one of our top selling courses It is called the mirror technique, and you will get that absolutely free. It will come directly into your inbox, and it will be seven days worth of this wonderful technique that will help you see yourself as the amazing being that you are. Now, if you haven't had time to do so yet, we ask you to take a moment right now, click below wherever you are listening to this podcast and subscribe so you do not miss an episode. Every week we give away a lot of great tips and techniques and next week will be no different. So make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss a beat and hit like on those that you like so that we know we're creating content that really is meaningful for you. Until next time, I'm your host, Amber, and I've been here chatting with Austin, and we look forward to continuing to connect with you right here in the community. 